100% ready for Christmas. Wow, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good group of people. How many of you have a little bit left to do? All right. How many of you have sort of a moderate amount left to do? How many of you haven't started? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, I don't know how to help that last group. You've, you've, you've outweighed Amazon's ability to get things to you even, I think. You're in big trouble. So, anyway. All right. Well, I imagine your experience in the run-up to Christmas has been uh, similar to mine. There seem to be, uh, throughout the Christmas season, a lot of requests that fly around for gift ideas. Uh, I don't know if this happens in your family, but it happens quite a bit in our family. I heard my wife Michelle asking our boys several times throughout November and early December, each time with increasing levels of desperation in her voice, I need your gift ideas. Uh, I sent a request to my sister-in-law, Jolene, trying to confirm a gift idea for my nephew, Noah. I texted my mother asking for gift ideas for my father, who is at least in the top 10 of most difficult people to buy for in the Western Hemisphere. I mean, the man has everything he, he needs. Uh, he's well taken care of by my mother. I mean, what, what, what do you get someone like that? Uh, so he got a sander. And um, <laughs> so he, he, he did want the sander, though. So it was, it was good. Uh, I've uh, heard Michelle several times say to me, Brian, I need some gift ideas for you. People are asking me to give them ideas for you. And uh, so that was, that was good to hear. Um, and then the world champion of asking for gift ideas is my mother-in-law. Some of you know my mother-in-law. Uh, she asked me at Thanksgiving, and I knew that if I didn't come up with something, she would just like harass me throughout the entire Christmas season, and so I gave her some ideas, and then she texted me later. I need some ideas. I said, well, I gave you ideas. Well, I need more ideas. Multiple times, Michelle has said, my mom needs gift ideas for you, to which I've responded, I've given her gift ideas, to which she's responded, she needs more ideas. The intensity of my mother-in-law's desire for gift ideas, if it could be harnessed, could could probably create enough energy to power a small village throughout the winter months. So, is this an experience any of you have had or something uh, similar? Uh, it's, an it's an amazing thing to me to think about the amount of effort that goes into the Christmas season. You know, the, the getting the gift ideas. Of course, some of you never ask for ideas. You give people whatever you darn well want, and they better like it. And so, you know, that's a, that's a different approach. And so you haven't had that stress. But, uh, but, but for those of you, you know, there's, there's the getting the gift ideas, and there's the purchasing the gifts, there's the, the wrapping the gifts, there's transporting the gifts. And uh, it's, it's just a lot of effort 
uh, that goes into the gift giving of the season. And here's the thing that's really amazing about it. I've talked about this several times throughout the uh, lead up to this series. And then as we've been in this series, we're doing all of this. And it's not even any of our birthdays. It's not even our birthdays. Christmas is that wonderful time of year when we all get gifts for someone else's birthday. Imagine this. Your birthday is approaching. You observe that your family has purchased and wrapped a lot of gifts. There's hardly room in the living room to contain all the gifts. Your birthday arrives and everyone else in the family gets multiple gifts and you get none. That's sort of a picture of Christmas. It got really quiet. Aw, Brian. That's a bit of a picture of Christmas. It's the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But we give gifts to everyone but Jesus. It's sort of like this. I need someone to play Jesus. Who volunteers to play Jesus? I, I didn't say come up here and play Jesus, Grant. He just stood up. They needed Jesus. It's obviously me. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But, uh, but thank you. Thank you for your willingness. So here's what it's like. No, he needs to stand. So he's Jesus, and it's his birthday. And here I come, approaching Jesus on his birthday. And he's getting excited because I have gifts in my hand. And I say to him, happy birthday, Jesus. Here's a gift, Stan. <laughs> happy birthday, Jesus. Here's a gift, Mole. One more. Happy birthday, Jesus. Here's a gift, Beth. Bless you. That's sort of what it's like. Now, let me be clear. I'm not a critic of our Christmas traditions. I, I like all of the gift giving that accompanies Christmas. And there are other angles you can take on the Christmas giving that isn't quite as, <laughs> quite as negative as what I just presented. But it is a bit of a curiosity uh, of Christmas that we're so concerned with giving gifts to everyone but the one whose birthday it actually is. And so we are in our second service of this series, What Jesus Wants This Christmas, where we're asking ourselves to consider some things that Jesus might want from us this Christmas, since after all, it is his birth that we're celebrating. And there are some things that we can say Jesus wants this Christmas. We can say these things with certainty because we know that these are things that Jesus always wants. There are some things that Jesus always wants from us. We don't always give him what he wants, but there are things that he always wants. And so as we come to the celebration of his birth this coming Wednesday, perhaps this year, I thought, if we were reminded in the lead up to Christmas of what he wants from us, 
maybe a few of us will actually give Jesus what he wants this Christmas. Sunday, I thought Mark did an excellent job sharing that one of the things that Jesus wants from us this Christmas is our heart. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants our hearts. And today, I want to share the second thing that we can say with certainty that Jesus wants from us this Christmas, and that is that he wants our obedience. He wants your obedience. He wants my obedience. And to see this in the Bible, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture that are part of the Christmas narrative. The first is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, if you would like to turn there in your Bibles, you can do that. The second is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So you can look up both those, hold your place there. We will show them at the appropriate time on the screen as well. And what we're going to find in those two sections of Scripture is that the incarnation, the birth of Jesus the Savior, required the obedient cooperation of a man named Joseph and a woman named Mary, who became the parents of Jesus the Savior. So we're going to look at these two passages separately. Let's look at the first one now, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. I'll read and you follow along as I do. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Very important next verse. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. We see in these verses that the incarnation, the plan of God to send Jesus into the world to be the Savior of the world, this plan of God required the obedience of Joseph. It required the sacrificial obedience of Joseph. Let's understand this was not an easy obedience that God asked of Joseph. It it wasn't easy at all. God's plan required sacrificial obedience from Joseph. You, You understand the story, right? I mean, Mary and Joseph are pledged to be married to each other. That would be something similar to what we call an engagement but in those times, it was even more binding. In that, in that culture, to be pledged to be married was really just as strong a commitment as marriage itself. But the marriage had not yet been consummated. And pledged to be married, but not having consummated the marriage, 
This means they had not had marital relations, if you were unclear on that. So that not having happened, Mary turns up pregnant. I mean, really, just with our own understanding of engagements and our culture and the level of commitment that is, we know this is a big problem. This is a big, big deal. It's like there are, there's a couple and they're engaged to be married and they're honoring God in their relationship by not having intimate relationship with one another and suddenly there's a pregnancy in the group. It's not a good thing. This is a big problem. Joseph is understandably going to think that Mary's been unfaithful to him. Uh, I mean, he, he has to think, okay, I know we weren't having marital relations, but someone was. Someone was. Of course he would think this. What else would he think? And we know this is what he thought. Because scripture tells us that he was inclined to divorce her. He was, he was inclined to end their betrothal. He was a nice guy, so he was going to do it quietly. He was going to keep it on the DL. But he was planning to be done with her. That's what he was planning to do. But then the angel appears to him in a dream and assures him, it's all okay. Listen, Joseph, it's all okay. Here's what happened. The way she came to be pregnant is that the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful, Joseph. This is a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. And so all I'm asking you to believe, Joseph, is that something that's never happened before and will never happen again is why Mary is pregnant. Okay. <laughs> All right. Easy obedience. You know, I think that we assume that people back then were less questioning or skeptical or maybe that they were like super gullible. And I don't think that any of that's true. I have to believe that when Joseph woke up from that dream, he had to have had at least a few minutes where he questioned, was that really from the Lord? Really? Was that real? Or am I just trying to find some excuse for her? And even if it is true, we're thinking as Joseph. But what, what might that mean? No one else is going to believe this story. Joseph, even as he walks in obedience, I have to believe there were times where he sat alone in the dark and said, Really? Do I really think this is what's going on? I mean, what kind of lingering uncertainty might there have been between Joseph and Mary, even as he set out and she set out to be obedient to the plan of God? And even as Joseph embraced the message of the angel, realized the cost to him. He's no doubt relieved that Mary being pregnant wasn't the result of infidelity, but a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. 
But do you think this is how he envisioned the start of their relationship? Is this, is this how he envisioned their firstborn son coming to be? And even once the assignment is received and accepted, it's, it's not what Joseph would have ever chosen as the circumstances surrounding the first child that he and Mary would parent together. And so the point of all of this is that the birth of Jesus, the plan of God, required the sacrificial obedience of Joseph. He had to be willing to believe a truth that was extremely difficult to believe. He had to turn away from his original reaction to the news that Mary was pregnant. I'm, I'm going to divorce her. No, you're not. Okay, I'm not. So he, he had to turn away from that. He, he had to accept that there were probably going to be whispers that were going to happen. He had to endure what I have to believe was some awkwardness between himself and Mary. He had to accept that the start of their marriage was never going to be the way that he envisioned it. And he was going to raise a son that in a biological sense he was not the father of. The plan of God required the sacrificial obedience of Joseph. And Joseph gave to God what God's plan required. Joseph gave God the obedience the plan required. On that first Christmas, Joseph was obedient to God. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. I don't think we would do any damage to that text if we think of it this way. Joseph, with many questions and some things he was still going to have to wrestle with, not fully understanding God's work and God's plan. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now let's look at Luke 1, 26 through 38. Again, I'll read and you follow along as I do. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, 
Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. We see in these verses, just like we did in Matthew, that the incarnation, the plan of God to send Jesus into the world to be the Savior of the world, God's plan, like it did with Joseph, required the obedience of Mary. It required the sacrificial obedience of the virgin named Mary. I love Mary's response after the angel informs her what God's plan is going to require of her. I've got a question. How will this be since I am a virgin? Mr. Angel, I have identified a problem with your plan. Now, the text does not tell us every thought that Mary had. But there is little doubt in my mind that between the explanation of the angel and Mary's affirmation of obedience, that a lot of thoughts probably flooded her mind. How is Joseph going to react to this? Is there any chance Joseph is going to believe the story? How is my family going to react? When people that know us hear this story, will they believe it? Or am I going to be the victim of a whisper campaign? Even if Joseph believes it, will he be the same with this child as he would have been? If he was the biological father of the child. All of these questions I have little doubt flooded in to Mary's mind. The point again is that the plan of God required a lot of Mary. This was not an easy obedience that God was asking for. It was a sacrificial obedience that the plan of God required from Mary. And Mary's response in verse 38 is right up there at the very top of some of my very favorite verses in the Bible. Mary listens. She considers all that the angel has said to her. Again, I have no doubt that in an instant, all of these thoughts of how costly this would be ran through her mind. She considers all of that. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. God, whatever your plan requires, whatever role you have determined is mine, may it be to me as you have said. What a wonderful, wonderful response. The incarnation required the obedience of Mary and Joseph. 
God's plan, His work in the world, God's work in our lives requires our obedience. Just like God's work then required their obedience, God's work now requires our obedience. This Christmas, Jesus wants your obedience. And he wants my obedience. There are two types of obedience that we can give Jesus this Christmas. The first is obedience to his written word. Obedience to the word of God. Now, obedience to the word of God can most succinctly be represented by the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And by the Ten Commandments. Remember these? Here they are. You will have no other gods but me. You'll not make for yourself any idol, nor bow down to it or worship it. You'll not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You'll keep the Sabbath day holy. You'll honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony against your neighbor. And don't covet your neighbor's goods. Don't cover, covet his house or his wife or his husband, her husband, sorry, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't covet anything. The Ten Commandments. Is there, not, not asking for hands, is there something on that list that you're not doing in obedience to God? If there is, I can tell you with absolute certainty, that's something that God wants from you this Christmas. He wants obedience to the greatest commandments. He wants obedience to the Ten Commandments. He wants obedience to His moral precepts. That's what you can give Him this Christmas. Obedience to the written commands. The commands of God that are so crystal clear in the Bible. These are clearly articulated commandments that we find in God's Word. What God wants from us this Christmas is to read His Word, read His commandments, believe His Word, and obey His Word. We can say with absolute certainty that Jesus wants that from us this Christmas. The second type of obedience we give to God is obedience to his daily guidance and direction for our lives. And this is the type of obedience that Joseph and Mary were giving God in the passages that we've looked at today. The angel of the Lord gave them specific instructions for their lives and they obeyed. This is a type of obedience that God asked of each and every one of us. He asked these kind of things. 
when the Holy Spirit prompts us to start a spiritual conversation with a neighbor, God wants us to be obedient to that prompt. When you sense God telling you the relationship you're in isn't pleasing to Him, He expects you to give it up for Him. God expects obedience. When you keep feeling like you're supposed to start serving in a ministry, and even though you've tried to convince yourself it really isn't God asking it of you, but you keep sensing that actually it is God, then what God wants from you is to say, like Mary did, may it be to me as you have said. When you have a job offer that makes all the sense in the world financially, perfect sense financially, but you know deep down in your heart that God is asking you to pass it up. And what God wants from you is to pass it up. To give Him the obedience that He is asking. When the dream you've had of completing your education is within reach, you can finally see the path forward. But you sense that God is telling you that He wants you to take that and let it go. And put the time that you would have put into that into a ministry that He's called you to. Then what God wants from you is obedience. He wants you to focus on the thing that He told you to focus on. These are the things that Jesus wants from us this Christmas. He wants us to be obedient to his written word. And he wants us to be obedient to his daily guidance and direction for our lives. The work of God in the world. The work of God in your life. The work of God in Patascala. The work of God in Vineyard Christian Church. Requires... Our, all of us, requires our obedience to the written word of God. And it requires our obedience to God's daily guidance and direction for our lives. What God wants to accomplish in your life, for you personally, what God wants to accomplish can only be accomplished as you begin to walk in obedience to Him. What God wants to accomplish in the life of our church, the discipleship that He wants to happen here, the training of children and youth that He wants to happen here, the fellowship and growing sense of family that He wants us to have in this place. Those things only happen as we all commit to walk in increasing obedience to Him. Saying yes to His prompts to serve. Yes to His prompts to connect with others. Yes to His prompts to invest in each other's lives in increasing measure. And what God wants to accomplish in reaching the lost in our community. It will only happen as we Increase in obedience. 
as we become more obedient to inviting people to church, more obedient to sharing our own salvation story, more obedient to praying for the lost, more obedient in having spiritual conversations, initiating spiritual conversations. So for me, I will share with you what I believe that God desires of me this Christmas and going into 2020. God has brought to my attention that I am pretty bold with spiritual conversations within the four walls of this church. But I'm rather tame <laughs> with spiritual conversations outside the four walls of this church. Thank you. And uh, I'll, I'll just shoot that right back once I ask you guys to raise hands. Okay, so, um, so what I feel like I have to do is break through the discomfort that I feel about starting those spiritual conversations. And I need to say, God, I will give that obedience to you. Now, I don't get my hair cut anymore, but a good example of how this can happen is those of you who do get your hair cut, you sit down and someone starts cutting your hair, and they usually say, hey, tell me something about yourself. There's a prime opportunity to initiate a spiritual conversation. I'll have to find one different than that. But that's what I feel like God is dealing with me about. Start spiritual conversations even when you're uncomfortable. The work of God in the world requires our obedience. And so this Christmas, what Jesus wants is your obedience and my obedience. Here is a really important question for you to consider this morning. What obedience is Jesus asking of me this Christmas? And just take a minute. Think about it. What obedience is Jesus asking of me this Christmas? I think for the vast majority of us, as soon as that question was asked, we immediately knew, we immediately knew the obedience that Jesus is asking of us. What obedience to God's written commandments can you give him? What obedience to God's written commandments do you need to give him this Christmas? Is there an idol in your life that you need to cast down? Is there something that you've been coveting that you need to stop coveting? Is there some sexual disobedience in your life? Has telling the truth been something that you've been struggling to do? You know, I think we overlook so many little inaccuracies and spinning of stories. We don't think of those things as being untruthful, but they are. 
Has telling the truth been something you're failing at? Whatever obedience to God's written commandments came to your mind as something that you have denied Jesus, but that you need to give him, commit today to be obedient in that area, starting today. What daily guidance and direction for life came to your mind as an obedience you need to give to Jesus? Whatever it is, commit today to be obedient to him with that thing, starting right now. The obedience that Jesus wants from us can be as varied as the number of people that are in this room today. But what is it for you? What is it for you? That's the question that matters today. It doesn't matter for you today what obedience that God wants from the person sitting next to you. The question that matters is what obedience does God want from me? What obedience does God want from you? On this day that we remember and celebrate the birth of our Savior, I appeal to all of us, let's give Jesus what he wants this Christmas. He wants your obedience. So give him your obedience. Let's stand.